to the uh, Mac and Fish podcast. I am the uh, substitute host. McKinley Roll is unavailable. My name is Corey Long here with Charles Fishbine. How you doing, Fish? What's up? We got ourselves a really fun guest today. I've known Chris Hayes for probably close to 20 years. Me and him used to uh, run around a lot in Orlando back in our hard uh our hard party and hard party days. We used to be uh, regulars in downtown Orlando three or four times a week. But um, you know, Chris has been a he's been a reporter for or in the Orlando area for, for many many years. Covered a lot of areas. Uh, he spent probably I'd say close to the last decade really focused on high schools. Does a lot of tremendous work. The Central Florida sixties. One of always been one of my top resources when it comes to finding uh, the talent and you know, in the Orlando area, in the outskirts of the Orlando area. So really excited to have him on, tell his story, talk about the craziness that is uh, Florida high school football this year, arguably the most uh, uh, eventful uh, year in the history of uh, this state when it comes to high school football and what exactly is going to happen. No doubt about that. Every week's different. We never know what game's going to get canceled. And it's crazy. Well, Chris, I enjoy having you on. And uh, is, I had to chase you down a little bit, but we look forward to having you on the show. And um, it won't be too painful. You know, I'll, I'll be very polite and handle you with kid gloves. Don't worry about it. So oh, we, no, worries, fish. No, no, worries. no fastballs or you know, just straight slow pitches. But um, I'm going to jump out to the first question, Chris. You know, dating Broward County, I've only seen the charter schools and small private schools start up. Palm Beach starts the week of October 30th. What have the schools in Orange County and the surrounding areas done? How many schools have opted in for the playoffs? There's actually quite a few of them. And uh, as you probably saw, it's it's made for some pretty crazy matchups in the first round of the playoffs with that random draw that they did with, uh, you know, teams that wouldn't even have made the playoffs in the past or are now going to face off in uh, first round matchups with even teams that probably are going to end up having losing records being first round buys. So it's, it's really crazy. It's a, it's a different year and you just don't know what to expect, but it's kind of cool that everybody gets a shot, I guess. Okay. Well, Chris, you know, it's funny because like in different areas, you look at some of the, the schools that have, you know, won state titles and state champions like Miami Northwestern, Miami Central, they, they can play three games and be eligible for the playoffs this year based on all the different, you know, all the issues they've had to handle. Is it the same way up in Orlando or are some of these, are, you know, are some of these schools deciding going to play kind of a, a minimal schedule and, and be very careful about, you know, how they run this season? From the beginning, teams were trying to get, 10 games in it's probably going to be more realistic that they play eight we've had a lot of cancellations last week edgewater who was a state runner up to st thomas aquinas last year um their game was canceled just because of another team well actually they they had a person test positive for coronavirus but each week we've run into this issue and Last week, uh, there were two other schools whose games got canceled, which meant three games, actually. So 
it's kind of difficult for them to get all the games in when once you're tested positive, you have to sit out two weeks. So in essence, you're missing three games almost. Yeah, you spoke about Edgewater. Both them and Jones made the state finals last year. What are their chances you think of making it this year? Uh, are there any other schools in that Central Florida region that have a shot at also making it to the finals? Yeah, I think that's what we're looking at again, almost the same exact situation as last year. The top three teams in, in Central Florida, the Orlando area, are Jones and Apopka and Edgewater. Um, there's there's a few upstart teams. Seminoles is going to be as good as always. They just have never gotten over the hump, but they do figure that this might be their year to get over the hump. they got a lot of good pieces. And uh, then there's some other teams like you never know what Dr. Phillips is going to put together as they always try to gear everything up towards the playoff end of the season and make sure they're playing very well at that point in time. So Dr. Phillips could be right in the hunt as well. And we, we have some lower class teams too, like uh, Foundation Academy, which I think is 2A. They're 5-0 and right now. So just a, a lot of different schools, but there's typically the same schools e- each year that we've seen in the past. Uh, you know, I know Apopka was pretty much, you know, one just wild finish away from, you know, winning state. And, uh, you know, they they lost a lot of guys from last year's team, but it's a, one of those programs that's always done a good job of reloading. They've got kind of a system that was, you know, started by Rick Darlington several years ago that they've stood by and it seems to have worked for them. Are they going to be a factor in this year's state? Are they a couple of years away? How, what do we think of the Blue Darters? Yeah, Corey, I think what benefited them most from last year was that a lot of their key players, the guys who, who really showed up on the field were sophomores last year. So they're, they're back. And then the hunt, like, and, and then Jaquan Loman, their quarterback, was he's a senior this year, so he's back as well. But a guy like Travion Barnes, uh, he, he can play linebacker, defensive end, maybe at the next level. But um, he's one of the best players in this in the Orlando. And then uh, Nikai Martinez, a cornerback, he's one of those guys as well. And Josiah Robinson, another linebacker who Apopka just – like you said, keeps reloading, but these guys have been in the program and played from their freshman year on. So they're just really, although still kind of young with some of these guys, they're experienced. Yeah, you brought up Dr. Phillips before. We know they're a good team. They're going to draw Miami Palmetto. That's where I went to school. Um, Palmetto hasn't really been a good team until last year. They had a shot at state, came up short. Um, they're one of the best teams in Florida from a talent standpoint. Do you feel like Dr. Phillips can upset them in the first round? That's one of those matchups in that first round of the, of the random draw that is really intriguing. Um, I think given what Dr. Phillips will go through in probably eight to ten games this season will benefit them in preparation for that first playoff game whereas Palmetto may not get that many games in before they actually hit the playoffs. Um, Rodney Wells, coach at Dr. Phillips, always tries to ramp those guys up as playoff time approaches. And I think anytime Dr. Phillips is on the field, especially that late in the season, they got a shot to upset somebody. If indeed it's an upset, I'm not sure how those teams will stack up once it happens. 
think, Chris, are there some sleeper teams around the area, some teams that might rise up maybe, if not, you know, if maybe get into kind of a Cinderella playoff run this year, maybe teams that have like a nice little two-year um, window that we should be looking at that aren't necessarily the usuals? Is there somebody out there that kind of intrigues you? I got a team right now that's intriguing me is Boone. Uh, they have a, a lot of really good athletes. They got a decent quarterback, and they've they've played uh, all the games that they've played. They've either blown the team out or they've played close to uh, equal quality competition. And I, I think we could see something from them in the playoffs. And then West Orange is really coming coming along here recently. They didn't. Get, didn't get on the field right away because of coronavirus, and then they they struggled with Boone in their first game, but they've really put it on a couple of teams here in their past two games. So West Orange is a team that is kind of full of uh, some some parts that you you think could be good, but you weren't sure. But they are looking pretty good. They could mesh at the right time, and they got a new coach in Mike Granado who came over from Edgewater. And uh, he's doing a real good job over there. It's a program that has, like, I think they had three coaches last year. And Granado might be the saving grace. Will the state finals be back in Orlando this year? Uh, If so, have there been any dates set for the state finals? Well, I know the the dates will be for the big schools December 17th through the 19th, those three days, Thursday. One game, uh, Friday, two games, Saturday, two games like the past. But crazily enough, there is no venue set yet. And we're looking at, you know, almost, what, two months now? Yeah. We're looking at, and they, the FHSAA hasn't picked a venue. They have some possibilities. Um, Orlando has three different spots, but they've never really let on who they're talking to. Gainesville is a possibility. Jacksonville could be up that way. Tallahassee would welcome everybody. They already hosted the one, two, and three A's championships, and they're going to do that again the week before the big schools. And then, of course, there's always the chance that they could be in South Florida, but I'm just not sure where they, they, they haven't let on any information whatsoever as to what they're looking at. So hopefully, maybe even this week, they'll come out with some kind of plan. I hope so. Orlando City, the Orlando City Stadium, I think, kind of might be the best of all worlds, really, when it comes to size and what you're looking for. Yeah, I think you're right. That'd, that'd be perfect. I think it sits about twenty thousand for yeah for soccer. So um, it'd just be a, a quaint little venue for that type of an atmosphere. And then teams that do pack it in. Even if some Orlando teams make it, they'll be able to do that, and they won't have quite the fiasco they had at Daytona last year, which, um, by the way, is out of the picture. Thankfully, yeah, because I heard about <laughs> – Fish told me about the Northwestern Jones. He's like, he's like, yeah, Gore, I've been sitting here, sitting here trying to get out of here for two hours so I can get something to That's, eat. Yeah, I, 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 almost didn't get, I almost didn't get back in time. It's just insane. I've never seen that many people packed into a stadium. They went over the limit. There was no social distancing that day. I can promise you that. Yeah. The Northwestern cheerleaders had to like jump off the bus like a block away from the stadium and run so they could yeah. make it here on time. It was ridiculous. It was crazy. Osceola County, if I'm not mistaken, was one of the counties that kind of opted out 
of this, at least initially. Um, have certain teams in Osceola decided to play? Are they all opting out? Have they are they playing a season? Have, have they decided what they're going to do with Osceola? Do they have their own like a county playoffs? Have they kind of fig? Did they decide on anything? They're doing the same thing as Orange County, Orlando area. They're they're playing. They're, I think Osceola's played three games. I didn't leave them out as a team who could also be in the hunt down the stretch. Um, Osceola, as usual, will be. I would okay. think right in the mix, but most uh, most of the teams have played so far. Okay, all right. Yeah, two two last question, Chris. Um, who are some of the top players in that area to look out for? Are there any freshmen or sophomores that have stood out that we should keep an eye on? There's two sophomore quarterbacks right now who actually went at it on Friday night, and and uh, Luke Rucker out of Oviedo and Gunnar Smith out of Lake Mary, and Lake Mary got the best of a veto on Friday night, but that's a matchup that we'll see if for a couple more years now. And those, those two kids are, are very good. Gunnar Smith's got some offers already and Luke's probably going to be getting some. Um, I, I tell you what, a guy who really jumped out at me and this whole coronavirus situation that we're facing this season, also, it stretches clear back to last spring when, when guys missed their spring season. So um, there, are, there are people like this running back at Lake Mineola named Duke Walker. He is a guy who probably, if he had gotten some attention in the spring, would have had a lot of offers by now because he's a very, very talented running back. He's only going to play running back his, his senior year because he is behind Keandre McGlory last year, who was a 2,000-yard rusher. So he gets one shot, and he didn't get a chance to show off in spring. So – He's got to do it right now. He's got three games with uh, almost 500 yards. So he's doing his part for sure. Um, there's a, another guy, a sophomore at a Popka, who, who might be the best player in the area right now, even as a sophomore, but he'll definitely be number one in our area in that class. 2023 is Caven Call out at a Popka, um, plays defensive end, could play linebacker if he needed to. That kid is really, really good. He's grounded, has a good head on his shoulders, and he's gotten some offers, but he doesn't let it phase him. He just keeps doing his due diligence on the field. And those are some guys that I really like right now. You know, one kid I like, I, I you know, communicated a little bit on social media with, um, is Miles Winslow. I think he's a guy that really got hurt by the not having spring football. I felt like he was, you know, watching his film and, talking to him on the phone that he was a guy that if he had a chance to showcase his skills this spring, um, he would have been able to get more offers than he did. Uh, what do you think of someone like Miles? He's out of, um, he's out of like, I can't even pronounce it. It's like T. Is that to help, to help yeah, fly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think don't he's have, going to Georgia Southern. Is that that's where he's going, Georgia Southern, yeah. Yeah, I think him and there's another kid on his team both of those guys would have benefited greatly from a spring football season and maybe had some better offers than what they're looking at right now, like a Georgia Southern. And um, there's, there's so many guys that, that really suffered a lot from not having coaches come to campus, to, to practices, to spring games. And it's really unfortunate, but 
there's not much they can do about it. So the guys who coaches didn't know about before spring football was canceled, they really have to shine this senior year. And the crazy part about it is, like we have a record number of players committed already before the season even started this year up here. That has to do a little bit with the, you know, the sped up recruiting calendar with the early signing day. But coronavirus already, uh, coronavirus also had people kind of concerned, had kids committing early when they normally wouldn't have because they wanted to get their spots. So we have 30, I think 30 kids right now out of our top 60 committed, and we've never had that many before. Wow. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Hopefully we didn't beat you up too much, you know, but uh, we look forward to getting you back maybe before the state finals and see if some of those teams in Orlando made it there because I think the one thing last year showed – uh, with in Daytona was those Central Florida teams do travel and show up to the game. So I think it was a lot of fun having those schools in the state finals and hopefully Jones and Seminole or some of these schools do make it back. But we're happy to have you on and uh, look forward to speaking again. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me on, Fish. And, and Corey, good to see you guys. Since I didn't get to see you much over the summer, since we had no summer, basically. And, uh, yeah, I'll be glad to come on anytime you guys are needing some Central Florida input. Let me know. Yeah, and uh, I know right now you're excited about your Kansas State Wildcats, 3-0 in the Big 12 under Chris Kleeman. You got good coaching. I know you're looking at the potential Big 12 championship there. And I wanted to say, as my friend, I know you're, uh, you know, in real, real talk, I know you're um, – you know, you're on the list for a liver transplant, and I just want you to stay safe. I mean, really, you know, stay healthy right now. And I'm thinking about you, and I, I know, um, you know, I hope, hope that, hope that comes through for you real soon. I appreciate that, Corey. And you know, as you know, it'll be my second liver transplant in 15, 16 years, depending on when it actually happens. But I am on the list. Uh, my sweet sister started a GoFundMe page to kind of help fund what the insurance costs do not. And so um, the GoFundMe link is on the top of my Twitter. If, if anybody wanted to check it out, and my Twitter handle is OS underscore Chris Hayes. And um, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that everything will go well. Because last time it went well, I was, I think, back to work and five months so um if i can do that again 15 years older i'll be doing pretty darn good <laughs> that's right that's right well absolutely uh, twitter handle os under at all excuse me at os underscore chris hayes yeah check him out by all means best the best guy in central florida right now with all the information i, I appreciate you so much i'm so happy we've been friends for such a long time thanks buddy take it easy chris Thanks a lot, Fish. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. All right, what's going on, everyone? All right, today we have a, a great high school football coach, uh, Coach Roger Harriet, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, Fish, talk a little bit about Coach Harriet. Yeah, you know, Coach Harriet started his uh, head coaching career at over University High School was 17, 78 and 15. And the school was basically brand new to football when he started. Uh, they played for two state titles, 1-1 one, one, 
um, and then got hired over at St. Thomas, uh, one of the most prestigious high schools in the country. He's already played for four state titles. Um, they've won a couple titles and uh, four of them actually, and uh, four or three or four of them, but uh, he's had a great career so far. And uh, I've known Coach Harriet for a long time. One of the things that I've always liked about Coach Harriet is he's very, he's been very receptive to outsiders at both of his programs. We're gonna go into that. And uh, especially the media and he likes to promote not only uh, the players, but his school and everybody else that's involved with the school. So great to have you on, Coach. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And I'm grateful for what you guys are doing for the community. I think education is key, especially during a time like now. You know, Fish, you made a reference to um, incorporating everybody into this equation that we like to call interdependence and family. And as a, as a global body, uh, you know, I know that a lot of people are looking at this pandemic and some of this, uh, you know, racial, racial unrest that we're experiencing as a, a, a traumatic time for, you know, for, with, with regards to our life. But, you know, I, I believe that adversity breeds opportunity for us to not only get motivated, but to improve from a humanistic standpoint. And there are a lot of little things that we've taken for granted with regards to the advancements in technology that we're fortunate to utilize. But I really truly believe that the most, the most powerful form of influence and the greatest, uh, the greatest resource that we have are human beings with regards to what, what's going on here from, a, from an earthly standpoint. And we can take that for granted at times. And I think sometimes when we, we're, we're facing some sort of tragedy or crisis, people tend, uh, tend to come together and think from a human race standpoint, we'll, we'll overcome some of these struggles and obstacles and become better for it. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. You're a voice for the community. Media is extremely important, especially when you're reporting the truth and um, holding our, our, our political landscape uh, accountable and uh, establishing an, an, an ethical base for the, you know, our, our business economy that, you know, uh, allows, allows us to, to continue to grow as a people. So appreciate you guys. You know, a lot of people probably don't think you're, you know, what you're doing is significant, but I, I do personally appreciate the messages and the reporting that you, that, that, that you do as, you know, not only from a sports standpoint, for, but from a community as well. So thank you. Thanks for the kind words. Yeah, thank you, Coach. Fish, go ask first one, go Fish. Uh, you started your coaching career over at uh, University High School. You started a program from scratch. How difficult was it to have a start a program, uh, you know, from the bottom floor and work it, its way up to becoming not only a state championship but one of the powerhouses in the state of Florida nationally? Well, most of you know, it's, it's anything worth having in life. It takes a lot of faith and hard work, and we're fortunate to have the right people in place. And sometimes when you're doing things the right way, and I truly believe good things happen for good people. So the forces of nature kind of worked in our favor. We had some great leadership at that time and the headmaster, Dr. Chermack and his supporting cast. And they uh, gave us the tools that we needed to establish um, a, a healthy platform that to not only impact student athletes on a, you know, from a, from a athletic standpoint, but more importantly, to help them develop the character traits and academic skills that they need to progress um, throughout their, their life. So for me personally, football is just a tool 
a tool that I'm able to utilize to help these young men become productive members of society, understand what it means to cultivate healthy relationships and, and uh, ultimately become devoted husbands and fathers and prominent um, leaders within their community. So that's what it's really about to me. I, everybody enjoys winning. And, you know, I think from a humanistic standpoint, it, it, you know, the competitive um, nature is inevitable, you know, whether you're playing chess or it's a math competition or a football game, you, you, you want to win. But for me personally, it's about the overall holistic experience for the coaches and the players. And I want them to, I want to make sure that they're winning in their life to become champions throughout the, throughout their, their actual life within their career, within their family and so forth. So it was difficult establishing that culture and that type of philosophy but we had people that were that bought that that bought into that concept, and we were able to um, send some players off to, to college and help them with, with with their life. And a few few of those guys went went uh, so far as to to play in the professional football league, and now they're devoted husbands and, and fathers, and doing some of the things that we were able to establish back then in 2016. How are you able to build? university school up so quickly as a small school it starts it, it starts with the message it starts with your faith and allowing god to take control over the direction you know when we try to do things on our own as humans you find out quickly that in order for something to be productive and meaningful and extraordinary you need a team a team of great people and my focus wasn't so much on attracting players it was more so focused on bringing in quality coaches that were that were that focused on being family oriented and, uh, and the coaching part to me is easy you can always teach a guy how to coach a position um, football is not rocket science to me I think it's important for the coach to understand the, the, what it means to impact a, a young man in a positive way as an exaggerated role model to really get involved in their life and help them realize that it's important to be good people and make great decisions. And then ultimately great things happen for you as a result of it. You know, the byproduct is a, is, is, is positive. It's a, it's a, it's a positive um, essence of success. So, I mean, you, if you, if you fixate yourself onto, on the ontological aspect of, of, of life, which is pretty, pretty much the, just the way of being and you, you encourage your coaches to be this exaggerated role model, to be a good person, do the right thing, and um, walk and live and breathe like the like what you're preaching with regards to being disciplined, um, being trustworthy, reliable, respect, responsibility, and all these character traits that help you develop a great reputation. If you're if you're the ontological essence of that, then 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 automaticity typically follows. It becomes you become a creature of habit, and um, you know, these things start to fall into place and you, you, you establish a healthy culture. So it's difficult from a philosophical standpoint, you would think, but once you start putting things into play and they people realize the benefit of impacting young lives in a positive way, just from the, from, from being that ontological role model, it, um, it, it, it becomes more of a, a joyful, uh, holistic experience. So, um, Take, take, takes time, takes the right type of people, and uh, and it takes the right uh, scheme, um, philosophy and putting the message together. If you're able to do that. You can, kids are capable of doing 
extraordinary things. They can, they can, they can work beyond their means and exceed expectations. Just have to believe in them. They'll believe in themselves and they'll go and execute. You know, part of, you know, part of the, the process is talent, obviously, but you got to cultivate that talent and develop it. But more importantly than anything else, those guys got to believe in what they're doing. They got to believe in your message. You got to know that you love them so they'll listen to you. One of the things you started at the U School and I brought to St. Thomas was how your players greeted college coaches and the media before or sometimes after practice. What made you come up with that ritual before each at each at both university and St. Thomas? I'm just a firm believer from a from a people standpoint. I just feel like you should treat people how you want to be treated. And that's one of my my personal mantras and beliefs from a fundamentalist aspect of my life. And I think when you're when you're in the when you're in the business of serving people, you have to set the right example and treat them right. And you know these colleges and the media guys, they're serving, they're pro- providing opportunities, and I think it's important to show our gratitude and appreciation. Um, and it, I, I've learned a lot from watching Coach Smith growing up. I've I know I've known him since I was six years old. I was able to you know, um, watch his development back in the, the 80s when he was establishing the St. Thomas Aquinas program. And when I got to St. Thomas, I was even more enamored um, than, than my younger years. And I had, I had a firsthand look at, to see on how he handles college coaches and the, the media. And um, he was a great example for me from, from that standpoint. It, 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 uh, it was my, it became my, inspiration when I started coaching. So I was grateful for coach, to Coach Smith for allowing me to, to um, he, allowed, he did it for all of us. He, and it wasn't just kids at St. Thomas, you know, we helped kids from all over the state, really all over the country. He was a pioneer in many ways. So I was very fortunate to watch him work. They say your coaching style is much more uh, of a Tony Dungy type coach. Um, you go out and coach your kids up, not much screaming and yelling. Um, some coaches may not feel that style can work, but you're proving now that it can twice. Um, why do you feel that way? And, um, you know, what's kind of shaped that? Um, I think just the way I was raised, you know, I was fortunate to have, you know, an opportunity to, to, I was born in Jamaica. I, I a substantial part of my life, was in Miami and South Florida area, Tennessee Pines area. And um, I, I think I was just cultured. I, I had an opportunity to see how things were done the right way and how things were done the wrong way. And, and I'm a firm believer that most people know right from wrong um, from a theoretical standpoint. And I think it's, it's more... I think people are more receptive to constructive criticism when they know that you love them and not only love them, but you like them as well. And I've always been a firm believer in establishing a, a you know, a therapeutic relationship with other people and you know, let them know that, you know, whatever I say to you, whether it's a praise or it's a reprimand, it's coming from a healthy place. And you know that I mean them well and have the best interests at heart. And a lot of it is in how you say it. You can, you can, you can actually say whatever you want to somebody. How you say it will determine whether they're guarded and defensive 
or if 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 they're um receptive to it. I believe being diplomatic is the way to go. You know, I I um I enjoy when someone treats me with a sense of respect. And don't get me wrong, I think there's a place to put your foot down and be authoritative, but I'm not I, I don't believe in being punitive and tearing somebody's character down and 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 emotionally or verbally abusing them. I don't think it you know, I, that's just not my way. For some other people, it may work. But um, for me personally, I think you get more out of somebody when you treat them with love and support and kindness. And I think you, you can still deliver your message without screaming and cussing and carrying on and using profanity and perverse language to get them to do what you want to do. I don't, you know, I'm not a big proponent of fear. I'm more in, interested in love. I think love conquers all. I think if a, if a human being, whether it's your child, your wife, your student athlete, your coach, if they know you love them, the last thing they want to do is let you down. And um, once you establish that relationship, most people will go above and beyond for you. They'll give they'll give the shirt off your back. You know, I think there's I think there is a whole lot in liking somebody. I think we, I think we uh, as humans. We take that for granted. I think friendship and actually liking somebody is taken for granted. Um, I think, you know, obviously loving someone is, you know, the, the, you know, the, is a, the epitome of relationship. But I can tell you this right now. There are a lot of people that I actually love, but I don't confide in them and I don't really like them that much. But if I needed, if they needed me, I'll be there for them. But when you like somebody, and you love and you love them, that's a totally different stratosphere of relationship. So I try to establish that with um, my coaches and players and my personal family. I want them to be I want to be remembered for somebody that um, made an impact, a positive impact in their life. Not not just not just from a legacy standpoint and a life learning lesson standpoint. I think that's important too, but I, I think it's important to make a positive impact, a healthy, kind impact in somebody's life. Somebody, some people may look at that as, uh, you know, kind, kindness for weakness type of, um, you know, aspect. But for anyone that knows me personally, they know that there is an aggressive side about me, but it's for, it's, it's, it's for the greater good. It's more motivational and inspirational than anything else. I like to empower and build people up. I think God gave me a discerning spirit and I like to use that to help people re realize their value and their purpose in this life. And I don't think we're going to be here for very long. So as long as we're here, not every day is promised to us. I want to make the most out of it. I want to make sure that I'm making a positive impact in the person that I'm interacting with. So that's kind of where it starts for me. At coach, coach at St. Thomas, every year it feels like it's a win, a state title, or bus mentality. Does that, <laughs> does that put pressure on you as a coach every year that a season um, a state title is not a success? I, I, think, I think that if you look at it from a practical standpoint, from a humanistic standpoint, yeah. You know, if you don't have a, a strong sense of self and you're, you're not established with a spiritual component, then, yeah, that could feel very uncomfortable because you don't control those things. I'm focused on what is in my control. And whatever's not in my control, I've learned to leave it in, in God's hands. And 
like I said, you were all fighting to win championships. And if it's happening, it happens. It's great. But the most important thing is to help these young men become champions in their life. So that, that's really what it, it's about for me. So it's a win-win. When we, when we win, it's humility and it's praise and it's giving the credit where it's supposed to go um, and, and learning how to share the, 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 the accomplishment. And then when you lose, it's a life learning lesson. Y'all learn how to deal with these struggles and the emotion and the emotional torment that you experience and the embarrassment. So for me, it's all development. You know, um, I'm not the type of person that's going to say, hey, man, you can't win them all. So I don't ever walk into any circumstance like, hey, man, if, if we lose and this is what's going to, I don't have that thought process. I'm always focused on winning. Um, it's just in my nature. I hate losing way more than I love winning. Winning for me is an, a blessed expectation. That's what's expected. I might even take it for granted at times. I try not to, because I want to show appreciation. And I want to make sure that I'm acknowledging those that have worked so hard to accomplish a championship. Um, but when that, when you, when you lose, you really find out what what kind of person you are. I'm I'm a firm believer that when tragedy or crisis strikes, you you really you, leadership and friendship is, is exposed. You find out who's really on your side. And you find out what kind of leadership is, you know, what, what you're really about. So there, there's a lot of benefits to losing, but I'm not really interested in losing, to be honest with you. <laughs> Still. Uh, headed into the season, uh, which we are all dealing with a pandemic, which none of us had ever had to deal with uh, per personally and professionally, Coach. Uh, how have you guys dealt with it at St. Thomas? Um, we, we, we dealt with it in a very professional manner. We took, take it step by step and take advantage of the, the resources that we have. And um, fortunately for us, you know, we have these technological resources that we didn't have growing up, man. So we, at St. Thomas, the moment this pandemic started, the moment we were out of school, we were in meetings. I would have a weekly meeting with the coaches, the whole coaching staff. And then we would have unit meetings and then we would have positional meetings throughout the whole entire week. And I would try to get in as many um, positional meetings as possible to make sure that they're doing all the, the, the appropriate things outside of football, social distancing, wearing your mask, um, staying away from crowded areas, um, um, adhering to the curfew, talking to them about Black Lives Matter, talking to them about um, the political landscape. So, I mean, we talked to them about life circumstances and um, we talked some football just to make sure that their mind was intact, but we talked about nutrition. We talked about helping around the house. We talked about being a de devoted um, son to their family and doing chores and helping with the cooking chores and um, supporting uh, their family and their community in a very difficult circumstances and being on the right side of history. We talked to them about that, these aspects. So we took advantage of that. We, we've been meeting since the pandemic um, started. I think I gave them one week. Uh, we took one week off away from them and that was the week we started um, virtual school. And I didn't want to consume them with our expectations and top of the school expectations. So we just um, gave them that week off, but we've been at them ever since. So we handled it in a very therapeutic manner. We talked about the norms that are, are gonna be established and what's gonna be expected of them from a humanistic standpoint. 
Our players were receptive to it. They understand that we care for them and we love them. We love them. We took advantage of the, this um, this uh, tr this tragic opportunity that, that that's presented itself. So we do a lot of prayer with them. We help them become leaders. We took our seniors and we did senior leadership um, classes once a month and brought in guest speakers. So we just we we we, we use our time wisely. We use our time wisely with them and. Um, we gave their families as much support as possible. We started a campaign called Safe, Safe to Play, where, where uh, you probably saw online a lot of the kids around the county were saying, hashtag safe to play, wear your mask so we can wear our helmet or wear your mask so we can wear our uniform. And then um, we started a couple uh, fundraisers, drives for our, our frontline workers. We, fret, we, we, we um, partnered with um, Charity for Champion led by uh, Dr. Aldi Simone for, uh, that, that, that runs South Florida um, Sports Medicine in Weston. And um, we were able to raise a substantial amount of money and, and feed all our frontline workers that were working in the ICUs and the emergency rooms for, for several months. Um, we, were also, we were also partnered with a number of community um, organizations and, and, fed, and fed people that were actually in need that lost their jobs. And, you know, we just stayed busy, man. We got our kids involved. We got our kids involved to help them understand what it means to, to, to really uh, trust and, and uh, serve your neighbor. So that's kind of where we were at with that. And so that's why we were able to be patient and wait this thing out and, and um, support the BCAA and the FHSA and all the, and, and the Archdiocese of Miami, this pandemic is, caused a substantial amount of confusion. It's been made things extremely volatile, but I'm a firm believer that problems, um, you're, when problems come, to, come your way, you're gonna get two types of people. You're either gonna get the problem causer or you're gonna get the problem solver. And then you gotta determine which one of those you wanna be. So I encourage our players and coaches and people around us to be pro um, uh, problem solvers. And look at this as a, a chance to figure out healthy solutions, therapeutic norms you know, healthy routines, and that's what we did. Every year your program has some of the, you know, elite pro, you know, players from across in the country. Are there some of the lesser known prospects this year that you'd like to talk about that probably haven't gotten as much of the attention as some of your top end prospects that you could tell us about? Yeah, we, we have, I mean, because of the way our system is set up with St. Thomas, you know, a lot of people think we, we, we have a tremendous amount of success because of the talent. There's talent all over South Florida. Everybody knows that. And a lot of it is directed towards us but because of, you know, I think we, we're blessed. I think God has his hand on this program. I think God has his hand on all of South Florida. But I do think that through our faith base um, and our commitment to God, we're able to do some extraordinary things. And we have a great system in place. And because of that, um, some of our guys who typically wouldn't be your five stars or four stars or even three stars are able to go out and be very productive on, you know, on the Ivy League, the D3, the, 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 the NAIA level and move on to be great, great, um, uh, great, you know, community leaders. And we have a few guys that I think the pandemic has impacted because they didn't have, they didn't have a spring and they, you know, college coaches typically nowadays one to uh, be able to evaluate um, growth talent. They can, they got a good sense of talented players that they didn't have you so, so much at their disposal. They didn't have 24 seven and rivals and 
the resources that they, that typically help them find some of these these uh, kids that are flying under the radar because they didn't have um, a, a great junior year or sophomore year. And we have a few guys that have blossomed over this COVID season. You know, Isaiah Taylor being um, one of the one of those guys, um, Antonio Johnson. Uh, we had a couple guys that, that that transitioned in that are hopeful to get 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 some exposure. Um, but I think for the most part, we do a pretty good job of making sure our guys do what's required of them. Um, from an exposure, I created something called Phase Zero Contingency Plan, where all of our guys uh, were were asked to to film their workouts, were asked to film their drills, and and uh, post it on Instagram, post it on uh, Twitter, and we retweeted and liked it and get it out to the college coaches. They 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 were watching. I think it helped a number of our guys who who didn't have you know a, a whole lot of footage or or offers. So. We do have a, a few guys that are definitely in need of some support. You know, you got Caden Martinez, our, one of our linebackers, and um, he's going to be a senior. He's a great leader, really good player, hoping to get some, um, some attention. We have Adetola, uh Durangio, who's a defensive lineman, who's um, a, a, a great player and leader. Um, so we, we have Ro, Rowan Brown, and there's, a, there's just a number. We have a number of guys, as you know, Fish. We have 45 seniors. It's more than most teams have on their whole roster. We have over 100 players on our, on our, varsity, on our varsity only, and another over 100 on our 2JV team. So um, for me, it's more of a ministry. You know, I'm hopeful that these guys get picked up, and I know they will because I leave it in God's hands. So I'm extremely optimistic about their future with regards to their football aspirations. Um, most years you have rivalries against teams like Miramar and Plantation. Uh, who are some of the teams you'd be playing this year that you're looking forward to playing? Um, I think this is, a, this, is, this is definitely a unique year. We're very fortunate to be able to have an opportunity to match up with teams that we wouldn't – our schedules just wouldn't match up for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe it's because of two-year uh, scheduling deal, um, maybe because they had – you know, uh, scheduled a couple years out. So for, fortunately enough for us, we were able to um, start off with, and this, this is not in, set in stone yet, but potentially we're going to be playing University School, who's now True Prep Academy, October 16th. Then, then we're going to move on to play on October 23rd, Cardinal Gibbons. That's um, a matchup that's, you know, long overdue since – you know, I guess the years passed. We haven't been able to play each other for the past few years. So that's one one game I think most people anticipate. We still have Deerfield on our schedule October 30th. That's a, you know, a, a, a rival. Every year we play Deerfield and every year it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a war. Um, they do a great job um, getting their guys ready. They have a substantial amount of talent over there. So that's always a game our players are looking forward to. Um, that rivalry has been going on for, for decades, really. Um, and then we're going we're gonna to finish up the season on ESPN against American Heritage Plantation. They have, a, they have an extraordinary team. Um, I think we uh, played them once before. That, that's when I was at FAU. I wasn't coaching in high school at that time. I think it was 2014. And we've had a, uh, a team full of talent, so we're able to match up with those guys. So I 
we're, we're, we're only able to play four games because our first, our first game, based on the phase um, plans that have been put in place, uh, we, our first official game starts October 16th and, and goes to November 6th and then from there it goes into the State Series playoff. The last uh, few years, you've you know, found new rivalries across the state in the state finals and the playoffs, Venice, Edgewater, Lakeland. How would you compare these other programs? Oh, they're, they're well coached. Uh, they're tough. And, you know, we're always going to get the, the, the best of the teams that we play, that we match up against. And they're talented. Um, you know, if you, if, if you take them for granted, you can end up not being as happy when, they, when that 48 minutes is, has expired. So, and, you know, it, those those matchups have been tough. You know, uh, Venice a few years ago, and um, Lakeland in the state championship, and and um, the comeback victory last year against Edgewater is is all is is always a, a like an epic game. <laughs> Whenever we're playing against these these uh, talented teams, so we're looking forward to the season, and. Um, facing off against some extraordinary players and, and uh, programs. Coach, uh, how, how good was Christian Leary? And uh, is he one of the better players you faced at St. Thomas? Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's electric and, you know, he's explosive. And these guys come to play, man, and they are um, obviously blessed with the, a great deal of, of talent. But I also coached well. And they're not only coached well on the field, but off the field. So, get the best of some of these guys and cause problems for you. But I think we do a great job of making the adjustments and, and, um, you know, uh, counteracting some of the, the, the attacks or some of the strengths that these are players and, and their, their coaches uh, come at us with. So we're, we're fortunate in, in, in that regard. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a talented, a very talented human being. And he's a, I, I personally believe his best days are ahead of him. Final question, Coach. Uh, could you ever see yourself as a head coach at the college level? <laughs> oh man, um, that's that's entirely up to the Lord, Chris. You know, that's, you know, I've I've learned a long time ago not to try to control my own destiny with regards to that. God gives me some control over certain circumstances in my life, and um, unfortunately, serving and 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 uh, leading a ministry has not been one of them. <laughs> So I've been I've been very fortunate and blessed to be a part of some extraordinary organizations and have an opportunity to impact lives in a positive way. So uh, as of right now, I'm St. Thomas Aquinas uh, Raider and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I love being at home and working alongside Coach Smith and the staff and being led by our administration and um, having the resources and opportunity to, to to continue our great tradition at St. Thomas. So I'm grateful to be where I am today. Diplomatically. Coach, I want to add with one more um, on top of Fish's last one. Uh, who was the best player you ever coached? And oh, who was wow. the, be the best player you ever coached against? Oh, man. Jeez. Nah, I put you on the um, spot, You put me on the spot, man. It's just yeah. hard to say. <laughs> it's really hard to say because, the, you know, there we had so many good players in various positions and 
I, I'm a really difficult for me to say from U school um, through FAU to St. Thomas, it's, it's hard to say like what person was, was, was more prolific than another. I mean, I really had a difficult time in the backfield. You had a number of guys, you had Jordan Scarlett and you had Lawan Hunt and, you know, you had um, Kincaid and, just, you know, Epstein, like, you know, and you go in the quarterback spot. We had a good one right now. He's young and still learning and developing. And, um, you know, receivers, you, you've had a number of receivers. You had, uh, you had uh, Marcus Roseman, and, um, Dominic Thiemann, you know, you had Trevon Grimes and um, Josh Palmer. I mean, the list just goes on. Then you go into the offensive line and the defense line. You had, you had Nick Bosa. And um, you had uh, Kevon Bennett, and you know you, know, you got Sap that's here right now. You have uh, um, Derek Wingo, who was a player, Gatorade Player of the Year last year. And I cannot tell you, I really couldn't say, hey, this guy is better than this guy. You had you had you had Jordan Battle, who's starting at Alabama now. You had Asante Samuel, who just had two picks against Georgia Tech. You had Benito that plays for Oklahoma, and Jaron Davis, who plays for Oklahoma. And, um, you had Al Blaze with Miami and, and um, Mike Harley with Miami. It's, it would be hard to say, hey, this is a guy who made it because they all made some sort of significant impact on and off the field. And you have to understand, for me, um, I really take coaching from a holistic standpoint. You know, I – you know – I don't look at it just from a talent aspect like a lot of coaches do. You know, these guys, I've had some guys that weren't, they were, they were role players, but they were such great leaders that we wouldn't have been able to do, you know, the things at St. Thomas without them. But their names aren't the ones that, you know, pop up in, in the newspaper. You know, you have Mar Marlon Martinez and Dumerville who were at LSU, two great offensive linemen. Um, who have great, you know, they're going to have great careers. Um, and I can go on and on and on with guys that we coach. I'm sure that I'm missing some, and I apologize for that. Um, but it's really the the whole it's, – it's really an interdependent. It's a whole team aspect. Like, I'm telling you that, you know, uh, uh, a guy like Sam Bruce wouldn't be as electric without Nick Bosa and vice versa. You know, it's, it's – they complement each other so well. And when you have that type of nucleus and dynamic within a team and they don't feel like they're, you know, the reason why we're having so, so much success and it's about the team and you know that you're establishing a great service. In 2015, we had 16 players, 16 players get injured. 16 start starters, one after the other, get injured. Um, 13 of them were season-ended. Three of them ended up coming back. So we played with sophomores. Those guys that were injured ended up being coaches. They coached those kids. We ended up going on and winning the state championship with 16 guys being out for receiving, Nick Bosa being one of them. You know, so, I mean, it's about the, it's about the, the community and the camaraderie and the chemistry that we developed. Now, as far as the, the most dynamic player, that we played against now, 
that's a that's a head scratcher too. Like I said, man, there's a lot of talented guys in South Florida. You know, I I coached against Dalvin Cook, who's dominant when we were when I was at university school. There's a number of guys at at, at Booker T, but just electric when we played it when we when we played against those guys. Um, you know, and at you know at being at St. Thomas, we had a number of, of of players that were were great players. Um, I don't remember the kid's name for Venice. He was a defensive lineman, but he was a, he was a man child. You know, and then you got you got guys um, like uh, Devin Bush from Flanagan played against him, and and all those guys from Flanagan that year were extraordinary players. So, you know, I I, I couldn't actually say one because um, the game plan for you know all of them, but we played against some extremely talented guys, and then when they play against us, you get their you get their championship effort. It doesn't matter if it's the first game of the season. Or if, it's a, or if it's a state championship and our guys have, have to be prepared to be emotionally ready to play week in and week out. Not just because it's important to perform well, but they got to stay healthy. You got to play your best ball to stay healthy through, throughout the entire season. So um, I hope that answered your question, man. I know, it's, yeah. it was kinda, <laughs> I know that it was kind of all over the place, but I had to – it wouldn't be right if I just gave you a, a vague, cliche answer. We got so much talent in South Florida. If we got so much talent in South Florida, it would be hard for me to say, hey, yeah, this is – you know, this is the guy. I mean, we played against – we played against all those guys at um, at uh, Hollandale in 2015, Huntley and and uh, the running back there. They on their defense. They got – they were – that was a great team. The guys at Deerfield every year. They have great players. Knighton, great player. You know what I mean? That Miami played the other night as a freshman. So, you know, you can see all these guys playing on Sundays, man. And, and it's part of it is because of talent, but the, a large majority of it is because you guys and coaches and parents and our community has established football, which is America's greatest pastime, as a culture here in South Florida. South Florida, we don't just play football, man. It's not recreational for us. This is an actual lifestyle. And I like to tell people when they ask about football in South Florida, I say, most states, they play football. We live football here. This is personal to us. This is a part of our DNA and who we are in this, in, in this, um, this side of the United States and around the world, really. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um... I'd love to have you back on some at some time. Uh, hopefully, you guys you know have a you know, safe, healthy season and uh, you know fill all your goals. But um, I, like I said, I appreciate you coming on and look forward to working with you this year. No, I appreciate. It. I appreciate what you guys are doing. Again, like I said, everything I said earlier is um is genuine. I really feel that way. I think that our media and is a voice, and I think we have we there's an opportunity to to help to help establish a healthy platform moving forward, especially in the midst of the crisis that we're facing. And I'm praying for you guys and your, um, and your leadership and your platform and that we, we do a good job as a community to, to get the right message out uh, to our, to our, to our youth. Well, thank you, coach. What's, what's your, uh, how do people follow you coach? What's your Twitter handle? At coach Harriet. 
Okay. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, good luck this season, like Fish said. Uh, wish you guys a healthy uh, and successful season. And uh, we'll definitely be following you and, and glad to have you on the show, Coach. Learned a lot tonight. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. God bless. Yes, yeah, sir. You, you too, bud.